0: Come on and put those hands together for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is none other in heaven or on earth. Welcome to another episode of Hope in Christ with Denise here on Kingdom Influences broadcast. Again, welcome to the show. We thank you for joining us. I am Pastor Denise Walker, founder of Hope in Christ Ministries, And here at Hope in Christ, we continue to be healthy, overcomers, purpose, and maintain an eternal perspective. Let's open with a word of prayer, and then we will begin today's show, and we have a special We'll talk about the hot topic of mental illness. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are, Lord. We pray and ask, oh God, that you would open eyes and ears and Those that don't know you will come to know you this year in 2019. Father, we pray for soul deliverance. We pray, Father, for healing of mind, body, soul, and spirit. Father, we bless your name and we magnify you, O God, for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you're yet to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Hope in Christ with Denise. Um, our scripture for today, a scripture references from Romans 6, and it says, Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin. Amen. And that comes from Romans 6, the Christian Standard Version of the Bible. And so we know that in this year we want to keep focusing on walking with God and walking in the newness of the resurrection of Christ. Um, As this scripture says, that we are no longer our old dead self. We are new in Christ Jesus. So let us walk therein. So our special guest this um, week on the podcast is Evangelist Angie B., Evangelist Angie B. is an author, speaker, ministry leader, entrepreneur, and um, she is the founder of the tour that Angie B. presents and audiobook production agency is the Angie B. production. Um, She has authored several books, and um, a few of the titles are Last Week I Wanted to Die. Uh, Mental Health and Suicidal Survival, The Evolution of the Queen Bee, um, Restoring My Temple with 200-pound Weight Loss. Um, In the beginning, there was God, Me, and You, um, the true story written by God in my motherhood. So we welcome the awesome, amazing Angie B. to the show. Angie, can you tell us what you are currently working on now? Oh, right now
1: I am working on just appreciating you, Pastor. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the show again. I appreciate the Hope in Christ podcast and the Facebook group, and I was honored to meet you um, in April 2018 when, when our ministry came to Atlanta. So I, I'm, I'm just excited, and I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on the show tonight, dear. Thank you, thank you.
0: Amen. And thank you for coming on um and joining us. And so today we're going to talk about a very touchy topic and the topic of mental illness. So mm-hmm. can you um in your words tell us what you define as um mental illness?
1: In my words, mental illness is anything that may take you apart from the norm, anything in your mind or in the way you think or look at yourself or appear. Nothing physical, like your neighbor can have five toes on one foot and you have six. Nothing Nothing physical, but if you're not able to sleep at night because you can't turn your mind off, or you wake up in the morning and you feel like you're out of sync with what the rest of the household is doing, or if you're at work and you feel that those folks over there are whispering and talking about you, or you look in the mirror and and you think you you look... Huge, but everybody else sees your ribs sticking out. I mean, anything um, that takes your thoughts and your mind away from God to a point that could be deemed harmful to yourself or to someone else around you, uh, I believe is a is a mental health issue. It's like in some parts of the country, they talk about symptoms of uh, upper respiratory stuff. Is it a cold? Is it allergies? You got the sniffles? Do you have a fever? Is it the flu? You know, all that stuff is physical. Some of it can be treated with medication. Some of it, you got to let it run its course. But my definition of mental illness is anything that... that, um, can be diagnosed by yourself or with someone else that that just sets you uh, outside what society thinks is normal. Um, I I believe that that's where I was. In 2005 and 2006, my mind told me that my children would be better off if I was dead. That their life would be so much better um, I looked at the sky and I saw green when everybody else saw blue <laughs> I wasn't sleeping and felt like all I could do was get enough energy to get my children out of the door into school and um, so my definition of mental illness comes from where I was and and my testimony is that God allowed me to go to it so He could bring me through it so then I can help someone else to to be able to do it so hmm. you're right it's a hot see, that's topic.
0: that's good that's good that is and it is a hot topic, and we see the the different things that um we see in the news and just different things we're seeing hmm. coming up about this topic. Um, uh, one of my questions to you is why do you think it's such a stigma um in for example the African American community?
1: Well, I can again only talk about what I know and I'm um, I'm in an African American family and an African American community and so from my point of view, um big mama and them and grandma and them, um uh, didn't have resources to um, treat mental illness. They could they could always diagnose it. You always knew you know you need to stay away from the crazy uncle. You need to stay away from Nuki and them. They 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 mind ain't right. It can't get right. I mean they could always diagnose that something was going on, um, and they knew to keep the children away for for whatever reason. But they didn't know how to treat, and I think in African American community or any other community, you, if 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 you don't know what to do with something, you fear it, you avoid it, you you um, mm-hmm. you can feel respond harshly against it. So I I think an African American community we respond harshly against it. Well, we can't do nothing about it no way. So, you you just need to learn to deal with it. Um in other communities, they 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 fear it um to to the point where there's um, of course, stories in the Bible of of demonic uh um intervention uh, with people it was filled with demons and i've heard men and women of god say well how did they allow themselves to be opened up to receive those demons and um, that could have been a form of mental illness Uh, people that try to self-medicate because they've, they've got mental illness symptoms so they may drink or spend too much money or fornicate or or smoke a little something to calm their nerves, you know, some men and women of God believe they're opening themselves up to demons and demonic intervention. So I don't know. Uh, This is such a hot topic, and I don't know how long the show is, but we could go on and on. But I think in the African-American community, we don't talk about it because we don't understand it. We don't know what – well, in the past, we didn't understand it, didn't know what to do with it, so we avoided it. And now, um, with education, uh, training, medication, counseling, we're we're able to – to understand a, a little bit better than before. Mm, a little
0: bit. I agree. A little I bit. agree. That's, um, um, those are some of my thoughts as well. Um, can you tell us um, a little bit more how you got to the place of being a survivor of um, the mental health and the suicide um, attempt? Well, after the second suicide attempt,
1: the second of three that God allowed me to survive, um, I I was hospitalized after the second one. And through that hospitalization um, in the state of Florida, they call it the Baker Act, where a medical provider, a teacher, or um, some sort of public official like a police officer can have you put on a 72-hour hold in the hospital to be evaluated, to be sure you're not a danger to yourself or someone else. And that can take place in a, in a mental health hospital. So after the second attempt, uh, second suicide attempt, I was placed in uh, a support group type of setting, inpatient. But every morning we'd have to get up and participate in support groups. And the very first day I I participated, the counselor looked at us and said, so, what happened to you guys? Why are you here? And my response became the title of my book. Well, last week I wanted to die, and yesterday I tried to figure out a way to do it. And through those support groups, we, we were able to recognize our symptoms. When you when you have enough knowledge about a problem, if you can recognize it, then you can do something about it. You can kind of take control over it. One of my symptoms is insomnia. If I go two three days, you know, not being able to sleep at night and then taking a nap in the afternoon and then my afternoon naps become longer and longer and longer, I, I can fall into a pattern. So they help me to recognize one those symptoms and um to help me learn to stay on a regular sleeping schedule that that's a that's a big deal for some people. They can stay up all night and get up next morning and keep going, but others of of us need to get up at the same time go to bed at the same time if you If you want me to be in my right mind, you need to keep me on the schedule um Support groups help you to understand uh, what your limitations are. And, yes, we understand that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but we also have to understand that that kind of faith is empowered by works. So I'm not just going to say, okay, let me um, uh, drink to my heart's content and then take a sleeping pill to stay, you know, on my sleeping schedule and then get up the next morning, I still need to work at keeping myself healthy, um, avoiding things that stress me out, um, speaking my mind when I'm concerned about things. Support group, hospitalization can help you to determine that. Now, once you're discharged from the hospital, you can continue that type of um, support group in a church or a community center or I, I think NAMI, National Association of Mental uh, Health, Mental Illness, they they can set you up with support groups, but you have to understand and, and you have to learn what your symptoms are and how you can treat them. Um, I am also an advocate for medication. Now, some people say, oh, you're not praying enough, you're not fast enough, and You don't need them pills and, uh, okay, but if I'm drowning in the ocean, are you going to fuss at me because, well, you don't know how to swim, so you shouldn't be out there anyway? Are you going to come out there, help retrieve me from the ocean, help bring me back to dry ground, clean me up, teach me to swim, and then set me on my way? Medication can can help you so that you're not drowning. So let let me get on my meds, let me manage my symptoms, let me get healthy, let me feel like I can get into a a good prayer routine cuz you know, people that are drowning can't always pray. They're to be gasping <laughs> for for air. Um and and these are some of the things that that saved me the, the second time around. The the third unfortunate suicide attempt for me was um, trying to adjust to my me- to my medication, and um, I, and anyone who has ever taken a prescription for something knows that there can be side effects. Or, or they can make you feel differently. Some people take Advil. Some people take Tylenol. It just you, you've tried them both, and you know what works for you. Well, when you have a mental illness, and they give you kind of like a cocktail of medicine—one to help you go to sleep, one to help you stay asleep, one to help you wake up, one to help your serotonin level and hormones stay balanced—it it can take a, a a couple of trials, you know, to to figure out. What's going to work for you? And my third suicide attempt, I, I believe, was stress-induced while I was trying to become adjusted to my meds. And um, and, and once I recognized that through, through being hospitalized the second time, then it was like, okay, I, I know I'm starting to learn me. <laughs> and I hear you, God. You you want me to release some things and just let go and let God. And once I was able to do that, then I was able to get accustomed a to my medication, get on a healthier cycle, and then start to release some things in my life that, that were challenging. It was a process.
0: So how... Um, for example, if there's someone that doesn't want, <clears throat> doesn't want any help or um, says there's nothing wrong with me or things like that, how, if any way, can you help them? Well,
1: I, again, I, I can comment based upon where I was, um, somewhere between. My second and third suicide attempt i i thought okay i'm I'm all right. I'm taking these meds, and I don't need any help, but there were people around me that would look and say okay you you're not doing so good you You haven't showered today, or that's the same you know <laughs> shirt you had on yesterday, and yesterday had a stain on it." Um, your breath doesn't smell too fresh. You're you're not really combing your hair. We're accustomed to seeing you with at least a little lip gloss on, and now you got sleep in your eyes. The people around me helped me, even though I thought I was on, and I was, I was on the road to healing, but they helped me by reminding me of how great I am, how passionate I can be. And they reminded me of of who I was and why they loved me. So I tell people, if you think somebody is not doing their best, don't call them. Just go over there. I had a friend who would just show up at the door. And, uh, you know, in that state, my house was a mess, I was a mess, but she would show up at the door and she said here come on let's go get something to eat uh, my treat so that would force me to to get dressed and 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 go out into the sunshine you know i think i think uh sunshine deprivation is a real thing <laughs> i think they call it the seasonal blues when you get a little bit more depressed during the holidays because you know the, the nights are longer and the days are shorter I got to get into some sunshine. I got to open the blinds. I got to be outside. And uh, so for me, people around me recognized things that were going on, and they not only held me accountable, but they held my hand through it. That helped me in two ways. Um, Okay, so-and-so is going to come over, so let me get ready for her before she gets here. And the other way it helped me was to say, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. Can you give me? Can you give me a list of instructions? What do you want me to wear? Did I take my shower yesterday? When do I need to brush my teeth? You tell me every little thing, Lord, because evidently I can't do it myself, and and I, I need help. And so that dependency on God became the best formula for me in my healing process. People want you to go to God, but when you're in a mental health crisis or you're spiraling, some people don't know how. So you can't blame them for not knowing how to reach up to God. You just have to be the go-between. You have to be the one to help them maintain so that they don't drown uh, on your watch.
0: I hope that wow, works. that's good. <laughs> and I was going to ask that question of um, when is that point where they need professional help or oh, even the people around them need to get them some help? When is that, like, the breaking point? You know, Denise, I, I don't
1: even like to think about people waiting till there's a breaking point. I mean, I think about a pregnant woman. We don't take her to the hospital when she's in labor pain. We take her to the doctor visit beforehand. We try to educate her, okay, while your body is is growing, you might get stretch marks, or so you might want to put some cocoa butter on your belly, or you may not want to, you know, want to drink that bottle of Mountain Dew because it's got a lot of you know caffeine in it and the, and the fetus is going to be bouncing around inside of you. We try to educate people. We try to educate mothers while their um uh, their belly is growing. So then by the time they go to the hospital, they know the They know breathing. They might have forgotten it, but at least, <laughs> at least they were trained. Um so in the, in the world of mental illness, I try to say to people Okay, let's not wait till you're in crisis mode. Let's look at your behavior. Last month you were, you have fifteen boyfriends. This don't sound good. You're just sleeping with a lot of people. What are you looking for? What what can can I help you with? Um, last month you bought two of the same blender. Um, do you do you realize that this month you can't pay your rent? Let let's look at let's look at things. Um, last month, you didn't leave the house for 17 days. Let's see if we can help you get out of the house every day for at least an hour. That that That's one of my personal symptoms. My husband will come home, and if I'm in, I work at home. So I, I see him off in the morning, but if, if he comes home and I'm in the same nightgown I was in when he left out the door and it's been three days later, he's just kind of looking at me like, oh, okay, we got to get you out of the house. Um, so when you're looking at helping someone with a mental illness, don't wait until they're in crisis. T- start talking to them when you notice there's a behavioral change. Um, this also applies for people that are dealing with domestic violence. You know when that dude ain't really right with that girl, but she loves him and everything all right. Well, then, you know, you usually talk to her every two, three days, and then it gets there every two, three weeks, and then every two, three months, and you call her, and you can't reach her. You, you know, you know, that he's isolating her, so go over there with the police and do a well check. I mean... We don't we don't want to to police everybody, and we don't want to be um, everybody's people. You know, let me check on this person. Let me check on that person. But if the Spirit of the Lord has given you a sense of discernment about somebody, um, then then He brought you to them, so He'll He will equip you to be able to help them through whatever it is they're going through. And as long as you give that praise while you're doing it. It's not on you. When that person feels better and gets better, they're giving God all the glory, and he's the only one who needs it.
0: Amen, amen. And where are some um, places that they can, or even online or numbers, where they can reach someone if, they, if there's nobody there um, personally, how can they go about getting help? Well,
1: you know, there's always um, Google, and you can always say mental health advocate or depression or um, help. Um, I I, I know a young lady who um, couldn't even think of that. All she did was dial 911, and 911 gave her numbers, you know, in in her area, because you know, nine one one is everywhere. So, I could give somebody the phone number for someplace local here in Florida, and, and they're listening. You know, to your show from Alaska, so they <laughs> call their local authorities and and let them know that they, people also. I know we run to the church for all things, but the church is not always equipped. I like to tell folks. You know, I'm not going to my pastor if I have a yeast infection. I'm going to the gynecologist. So you want to try to stick with professional Christian counselors. Um, Christian counselors can also identify if, if there's some d- demonic intervention going on, if there's something, um, you know, and, again, the African-American community, they, sometimes the older people would say, well, Johnny's that way because Steven was messing with him. A Pookie and them did something to that boy back in the day, so now he doing something. Uh, okay, once we've identified there's a problem, then <laughs> let's try to put a solution in place. But um, I truly believe if, 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 um, if I had not learned in support group to have accountability partners, I would not be as healthy as I am today. Now, for me, accountability partners, um, it, uh, I have uh, three of them. A very, very dear friend that um, has been my friend for over 20 years, she's one of them. My other accountability partner is my youngest daughter because she lived through most of my diagnoses, suicide attempts, bad medication. She she lived through all that. So she's an accountability partner. and. My husband Barty and I have been married for five years, and he is an accountability partner, um, and, and he's, he's learning to be uh, more than that. Because sometimes you have people in your life that just don't understand how you can be okay one minute and off the chain the next. They, all they see is the stable person. But when you're sick and, and you have an issue, they're kind of looking at you because they don't understand. So one of the ways I prepare my husband for times when I'm not well is I let him sit down and talk to my other two accountability partners. They've they've been with me the longest. They let my husband know what some of my symptoms were and some of the things that they did to help me. Um, For example, my daughter used to check my prescription, and, and she'd say, Mommy, yesterday you had 15 pills, and today you got 15 pills, so you didn't take your medicine today. And my, my girlfriend, Gwen, will call me, and she'll say, you know, I can hear something in your voice. If you don't sound right the first day, I'm going to call you back the next day. If you don't sound right the next day, I'm coming to see about you. You need accountability partners in every aspect of your life. When you're learning something, when you're in school, Accountability partner can be your teacher, your counselor, your principal. They keep you accountable. They want to be sure you're in classroom doing the work. Um, you need an accountability partner when you're in a relationship. This is a brand new person in your life. You don't know nothing about this person. We tend to tell our girlfriends, "Hey, girl, he did this and and he did that," and but but those are like accountability partners. In ministry, we we are called to something specific. Uh, Pastor Denise has hope in Christ. And as a member of, of the the Facebook group, I see other authors. I get to read excerpts from their book. We get to pray for each other. But, you know, Denise, if I asked you to go do prison ministry with me, that may not be where God has <laughs> has called you. So everybody has an accountability partner to help them through their calling, to help them with their walk. And um, I do not see a problem with that at all. Jesus walked with disciples. I don't believe he needed to, but I believe he wanted to have that fellowship. And so find you some accountability partners that know you. I mean, really know you, not just the oh, praise the Lord, you know, part of you, where everything's all fine. The people that know you behind the mask that can say, you know what? We need to work on this and work on this together. And um, that's what helped save me. My accountability partners helped save me and and help to remind me to lean on Christ forever.
0: Amen, amen. And what is um, one of my last questions is what um, is something you would tell the listeners not to do when they're dealing with someone who's dealing with mental illness? What is something you would advise them not to do?
1: Ooh, child, don't try to do it by yourself. Unless you, you know, went to college and got a degree, And even doctors don't work on you by themselves. They got other doctors, nurses, test results. Um, Look at the professionals around you. They all got folks that they work with. So don't try to do this by yourself. The reason I wrote the the book last week I Wanted to Die was to, to let the readers know that they are not alone in this. Somebody else had issues. Somebody else's family was involved. Um, there were different reasons why people thought this or thought that. But the bottom line is the word of God brought me through it. So, And, and God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So if God's never going to leave you, then you don't need to do anything by yourself. You don't need to try to be somebody's accountability partner by yourself. You don't need to look for an accountability partner by yourself. You don't need to do anything by yourself. Um, if, if you are lonely, there there's there's situations that you can include yourself into to, to help uh, offset that. If you've got too many people pulling you in too many different directions um there's situations that can help remedy that but god didn't put us in this in in this place at this time to suffer alone and if we don't know how to reach up to god and say oh lord cry out to him if you don't know how there's somebody next door across the way a phone call away, a, a airplane away, a bus ticket, there's somebody that can be there for you, and you are somebody that can be there for somebody else. So just just keep that in mind. You are not alone.
0: Amen. Amen. And can you tell us mm-hmm. again when your event, um, that um, the Summit for Mental Illness Awareness,
1: the Mental Health and Coping Summit is is uh, an annual event that takes place in Atlanta, Georgia. This year it's April 14th. It's going to be at the Inn at the Peach Trees. And if you're coming in from out of town and you want to stay at the hotel, you uh, give them a call and tell them, you're coming in for the NGB retreat, and so you need a a special rate for that. But folks, for folks that are local, um, information is on Facebook. It's uh, it's got a, a funny name on Facebook. It's called Marriage, Mental Balance, and Models, and I'll I'll explain that in a minute. Um, we've got folks that are testifying and talking about mental illness in their marriage. Like I said earlier, Bartina I've only been married five years, so he had to learn my symptoms, learn how to help me cope. There was a lot. So we'll be sharing that testimony along with copies of our our book. In the beginning, there was God, me, and you. Um, we're, We're going to be talking about mental balance because so many people think of mental illness and you're spiraling out of control. Okay, so what happens if you're on your meds and counseling is working and and you're going along about your day and everything's good, how do you keep that balance going uh, without falling over again? <laughs> again? How do you walk on the, at the edge of the, the, the ocean without slipping and drowning again? So we're going to be talking about balance. And then the models uh, are fifty We've got half the models that have some sort of mental uh, health issue, and they'll be sharing that. The other half of the models are are people that live with alopecia, which is an autoimmune disorder that results in hair loss on your body. So we'll be sharing some alopecia awareness because, again, in the African-American community, you get a black woman that starts losing her hair, that that's going (laughs) to... We're dealing with some mental <laughs> mental challenges right about there, and I am both I am a mental uh illness survivor and and keeping my balance and I'm also an alopecian, which means i have i i am a completely bald woman and so uh the summit is going to take place on that Saturday that morning we're going to have workshops. And that afternoon, we're going to have a fabulous fashion show with um, our alopecia models and our mental health survivors. Tickets for the summit are $10 per person, $25 for your family. We encourage you to bring your family. We encourage you to be prepared to share. You know, a a lot of black men, when they're, they're told that their son has ADHD or or anything. They the first thing they want to say is, Ain't nothing wrong with my son, ain't nothing wrong with my seed Well well what happens when when you're faced with that? That's part of the summit. We're gonna discuss that. What happens when you fall in love with somebody and then realize they have a mental illness? Or she took off her wig and you realize that she's bald. Well what, <laughs> what how do you how do you deal with that? So it's gonna be a powerful summit. Again, you can find Marriage, Mental Balance, and Models on Facebook. And um, we've only got room for five additional vendors. Paparazzi is already sold out. So it's an intimate gathering. It's not like the beauty bazaar that we have in September every year in Daytona Beach where it's a huge venue. We've got room for 15 vendors. When we come to April, it's a small, intimate gathering because we're going to be talking about a dark topic, and you just don't want to talk about that in front of, you know, three thousand people. So our presenters um, are experienced and educated, and they'll they'll be ready to share. Um, and and we just want you guys there. It, it's so worth it to be there. Um, you get to meet Pastor Denise too. <laughs> you coming back?
0: <laughs> I plan. I do plan to. Um, I was gonna. Um, talk to you about it yeah I do plan to um, because I enjoyed last year it is amazing it was a wonderful um, time even just the connecting with other um, people of God and understanding Mm -hmm. um, that he still has us he still has our Mm -hmm. you know he's never left us and so yeah Mm it was it was awesome and And, um, again I thank you
1: Oh, we. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. We want people to bring their children and their nieces and nephews, and, and we want you to bring them to the mental illness summit. Um, because if your children are, are okay and they're not going through anything, somebody in their classroom is, and we can help equip them with with the tools to help that that student. Nobody wants to hear about a child that's suicidal. But we hear about it all the time um, from bullying, from sexual abuse, and then, you know, now there's, there's um, sex trafficking and all these other things. And all this is tied into mental health and mental illness and, and coping skills. So bring your, your, your children and bring their friends with them because those are conversations that you want to have with your child sooner than later.
0: That's good. That's good because that is really, really needed. Um, just from the things I've experienced this school year, um, and then just mm-hmm. seeing it, the increase of the the thoughts of suicide and things like that. So um, mm-hmm. that that's good for the kids to to hear it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's good. Well, thank mm-hmm. you for joining us, and um, I'm looking forward to the the summit and. Just the other things that you all are doing um, with your ministry, Um, again, thank you. And uh, we're going to pray out. Thank you. Father, we thank thank you you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your woman of God, Lord. We thank you and ask, Lord God, that you continue to use her mightily as she travels to and fro, God. Thank you for the provisions for her family and every mm-hmm. aspect that she needs, Lord. We thank you, oh, God, for making a way out of no way that she will continue mm-hmm. to take the gospel to the world um, through mm-hmm. B Productions. Father, we bless you and we magnify you for you alone mm-hmm. are worthy to be praised. And we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen, amen.
0: Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, thank you.
1: I received that. I appreciate it.
0: And thank you all for tuning in to Hope in Christ with Denise here on Kingdom Influences broadcast. Continue to walk in hope in Christ and walk in your true identity in him. Mm